0: Hi Mason and welcome to the second instalment of our season reviews for the sixteen seventeen season. Today it's Howard's turn in the hot seat, and me and Steve will be the ones grilling his cheese. Welcome, Howard.
1: Yeah, pleasure to be here, as
0: always. Welcome, Steve. Hello. Steve, how are you? It's been a while. <laughs> I'm not good. I know. I know. Not good. We're not. We're not going to get into the abscess on your tooth on this particular show, mate, because it's meant to be short and snappy. Yeah, <laughs> um, I but I do feel for you. Um, Thank you very much, Howard. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Thanks. Yeah, are you. I do are, are you ready to do your review? You listen to demos, so you know what the standard is.
1: Yeah, this is the happy clappy version, so <laughs> <laughs> everything's
0: rosy. <laughs> All right, well, listen, on that note... Not quite, quite, no. On on that note, anyway, Howard, please take away your season review.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll cut to the chase and say, yes, that was a season that was pretty underwhelming. Uh, But in the end, I think still showed a glimpse of just how wonderful the future would be. And I think I was thinking about the future a lot of the time whilst actually sitting there during the season rather than thinking about the here and now. I do feel really optimistic right now, but that didn't represent how I felt during the games much a season. Not that I ever felt that low, because let's be honest, when you've got money, you've got <laughs> chances to right wrongs. And when you've spent years waiting for Pep, like our owners have and like we have, even though six months waiting for him, uh, you do invest considerable trust in him. And it is about trust. Uh, well, I think the problem was not only what to expect of Pep, but that the club came off the back of two Average seasons really that made the season the transition, if that's what we can call last season. I know some won't, but it makes it harder to take when you've already had two crap seasons. So, in the end, the season's probably I mean, it's between a six and a seven out of ten, and nearer to the six, probably. And for me, the reason it won't bet better, probably what we discussed before the season even started. I mean, about two years ago, I think the team was widely thought it was covered in the media a lot to be too old to really age in team and we've since really freshened it up in the forward line but of course as we all know we did nothing with the fullbacks Uh, and I don't think we spent a penny on fullbacks in six years though obviously that's about to change (laughs) very much so and then you add to the change of keepers which backfired badly however badly Hart's done in Italy and this hugely hampered the team and I think it's it's one of two key things, I think, for why I'm disappointed with the season. Or maybe three, one of them involving what I expected of Pep. Uh, but I think Jetson Hart also lost Pep trust from fans at an early stage because, as you well know, we're quick to get grumpy. So. And I think it, it's shadowed in all season, that decision. Uh, but it wasn't that simple, really. So I, I'd argue, and Pep did as well, that it was not the defence that let City down last season. But I like a clinical finish in front of goal because th- I've not seen the stats by reckon pretty much every game City dominated possession. And sometimes we're up to 70% possession in games. And an exposed defence would not have mattered much if City had taken like, just a few more of the chances we've had. And it's, this is probably the key area that Pep knows about that would take us on to the next level. We've got to start taking chances. And the more I think about it, the more I think it it wasn't the defence that cost us last season. For all those mistakes and the goals that we thought were soft, we conceded 39. As as Paul said on the previous review, it's standard that. uh, You think over 20% of what we conceded was in two away games. Uh, We always concede about 40. It's two better than the season before. And to be honest, with the, the attacking prowess we had, we could have conceded one in every game and still could have won the league. And that's why I think the attack's more important. Because uh, one goal alone should not have cost us in so many games, but it did against Everton, Borough, Southampton. And even not conceding, say, against United and Stoke cost us. So, for me, it's the attack. It's the clinical nature of the attack. But it's young and it'll gel and I think it'll get better. But if we're going When I was thinking... well. How do I assess Pep? I think it depends on what you expected of him. Because there was hype. There is so much hype around Pep. You get two camps, don't you? The hype around him, he's just like a god. I know, as I just said, uh, he's had it easy all his life and are desperate for him to fail. There's many little Englanders desperate for him to fail. Not just rival fans, but I'd say journalists as well. They just can't wait to see him fail. Well I think the sensible view was we'd have to adapt it would have to be bold there would be obstacles and that's pretty much what we got uh, he couldn't sign a whole new side in the summer not that we, we needed a whole one so he couldn't fix it all but then he was never going to cast away his principles and adapt and uh, be flexible I don't think because that's not what we're getting with Pep he's going to do it his way or no way at all so it's not that surprising what happened really but what really disappoints me about Pep, if there's one thing when I was reading up about him before he came and I presume everyone read loads and loads about him uh, because we had six months to wait for him anyway I had this vision, he told again, before every game he locks himself in a room for two days, doesn't come out, analyses the opposition and I really thought we were getting a manager, not just improving players tactically aware but who would react to the opposition in every game and do something amazing. I was going too far, perhaps, letting the hyperbole get to me, but I don't, I'm not sure I saw a lot of that. You know, com- compare with Pellegrini before, who always thought, was, uh, we've got a better team, I'll just put my best team out and they should win, and they usually do. I thought Pep would adapt more to the opposition, and I'm not sure I saw it. And the two key examples, well, the two terrible performances basically (laughs) away at Everton maybe and Leicester away of course just like couldn't believe what I saw in us I mean if ever was an example of not setting up to stifle the opposition that was it and that's probably the one thing that's disappointed me more than anything about him Uh, but it was a pretty strange season it's hard to it's hard to properly analyse it we started with 10 wins but I don't think the performances match those results anyway then we hit a sticky patch and Chelsea went on a brilliant run so we, at the end of which we couldn't catch them up but I'm not sure in that sticky run that sticky patch that our performances were much different to when we were winning 10 games on the row so I don't think we started on fire really if you, if you really analyse the performances but I didn't expect him to because the changes he's going to be bring into the club uh, but let's cut to the chase the failure in the league even though third place well I know someone would say it's not acceptable. I'd say it's acceptable as much as, you know, we're in the Champions League, blah, 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 top four. It's certainly not a success. But the whole problem was home form alone. I mean, our away records are best ever. So you could whittle it right down for our problems last season was the inability to break down deep-line defensive sides at home. And, bizarrely, an autumn masterclass in allowing opposition teams to score with, like, one chance. And I just felt in the autumn and a lot of the season we never went for the kill. We don't, we didn't come out of the traps fast. We didn't try and kill teams off with three goals. And I hate to say it, you know, like United used to do in the pump under Ferguson, just kill those home games, make it a fortress. And I felt we just once we got a lead, we just were happy to keep it, keep the ball, and thought that was enough. And you know, in the big games, I thought we played pretty well at home. But were undone by appalling refereeing, defensive lapses, poor finishing, just a bit of everything really. But it got better in the end and I feel optimism for next season and that's before the inevitable transfer splurge. But if I break down what's good and bad, I'd start with bad. And even though I said the defence didn't cost us the league last season, there was still a myriad of problems there. I don't... I've banged on week after week about settled defence and I felt he changed it every week and I don't think it helped us. Uh, different partnerships every week, lack of understanding between those defenders, the ov- obvious fullback problem, the disaster was bravo and the fact that he looks set to remain. Uh, there he was, and it's got to be noted, despite the lack of saves, which are kind of important for a goalkeeper, he was integral to how we launched many of our attacks and dominated the ball. So, you know, half of him was really successful, but the kind of most important half wasn't. Uh, as I say, with the full-backs, they probably exposed the, defenders, the central defenders even more, and he just felt the way the team set up, especially in the first half of the season, it just seemed to leave a lot of our defenders isolated one-on-one with opposition attackers. And you look at the, the attackers they were stranded against, Hazard, Costa... Uh, uh, just the top class players you just can't do that and that was my worry it seems to, we seem to have got better in defence I think the stability's re- returned a bit but it was still a worry uh, the League Cup sacrifice which I agree with but when you play United it's a strong argument and I think I agree with it that you always put your first team out you know just as they did the FA Cup semi-final was disappointing that has to go down as a failure in the end Champions League saw us exit two rounds earlier Uh, against a supremely talented team and if I'm being pedantic it was effectively a draw but we know the rules we paid the price for not protecting that away goal in the second leg and and that appalling first half in the second leg Uh, as I mentioned already the bad in the league was not killing off big teams and playing well and not killing off bad teams at home Uh, pretty hard to to beat but not enough victories and the key to our future is really turning the into a fortress again and you feel that maybe the problem is, and we'll see this in the summer by the number of players we buy, that in the end Pep realised just some of these players aren't up to what he wants from the team. And I don't, I didn't mind him giving players a chance because say he couldn't buy a whole new team last summer. That just wasn't going to happen. And only when it's team's entirely his will we know just how good he is. Uh, and the other bad, I mean, it's been mentioned a lot of places, is youth. I'm not one of those of thinks that we used to have brilliant youth and I'm not sure there's that many that would have succeeded in recent years but there's no doubt that we have players right now who are good enough to be in that squad and if we make big purchases this summer I want you know there's three on the summer tour but we have players on the summer summer tours mean nothing I want to see some youth players in that squad because you supplement them with uh, top class players and they can only get better much better than playing in the youth side all the time I know Pep's got a problem with jump up in quality and I kind of see that we can't have B teams in the league it's not the way the English leagues work but until you play a player the youth player you don't truly know how good they are until they're in that side that senior side because some just take to it and some don't and that's one of the biggest negatives and I hope it doesn't become one next year so as for the good, there's still loads of it. Yeah, we might have been a bit underwhelming. Uh, we made the top four, and I think that... Because we're always... At the end of the season, we always seem to struggle. We're always like, oh, my God, we might drop out of the top four. Then we end the season when we're in it, and it kind of gives a false sense of optimism because we start <laughs> because we finish the season well. Uh, but there was still plenty of good. Gabriel Jesus in a short time, you know, to me, he's, he is the future, as is Sane. And I mm-hmm. think the really love of him... And how silver the, the talk of Pep making calls shows the, the lure of Pep is just staggering, like right? unparalleled. Uh, and I think shows also that you know the signs Cheeky's not the competent fool he's been slated by my many people as uh, basically of cardiology. You're pretty likely to to say yes. Uh, and there was other pluses. Aguero adapted, scored 33 goals, looks likely to stay. Jesus' injury actually helped him. Company stayed fit for the last two months and the difference in the side is unbelievable. And none of us three months ago could have thought that he could stay next season. It was just like, well, that's the end of it. And whoever, you know, Otamendi plays next to me looks better immediately and I feel John Stones would too. Yayotori is back from the dead and he might stay another season. And erratic Kevin De Bruyne that many of us criticised was the top sister in the Premier League last season. David Silva was David Silva. And hopefully the other silver will be too. and there's a lot that a lot of players I felt were improved did take on board, you know especially in attacking areas, what Pep said to them. Uh, and you look at that forward line next year, you know before we even buy anyone else and it's frightening and it's got it's young and it's exciting. Uh, so there's plenty to be optimistic about. We're debt free running a profit. I think we've announced 20 million profit today. Uh, our revenue is one of the biggest in Europe. You know, we can afford to spend our own money now, and we will do. And we're going to kick on and make statement signings now. I think if City staggered over the line for that top four, then I'd be a bit more downbeat. But the performances at the end hinted towards the future, even if it was the opposition weren't all that, and half of them were on the beach. I still saw more of the future there. Uh, I won't go on for much longer. But in the end, people. I always have to feel that people will compare our season with treble-winning Jose Mourinho, the manager of a team far removed from the pecking order that Community Shields now counted as a trophy. And I know this split up. I know some people say, well, it's about trophies. It's all about trophies. Uh, any trophies, or some will say, well, let's look to the future. I don't mind the fact, I, I'm not interested that we're didn't win the League Cup and, of course, we can't win the Europa Cup for obvious reasons. Uh, so, I know it's about winning stuff but the, the, the trophies we want to win now are the hardest ones to win. Is that So, for me, obviously the league's winnable and the FA Cup will winnable but the Champions League is always going to be difficult however good we, we are. We're only one of five or six teams who have an equal claim on that even if we get even better. Uh, so, I don't, yeah it's been an average season uh, City did okay teams begin to take shape and we finished above United for the fourth season in a row and I know you don't get trophies for that that's like that's a lame claim you know that the season's gone well but pit perspective we're not doing that badly but next season there's got to be no excuses we should be fighting on all fronts for trophies uh, and more you know and have more points And I know this isn't about United, of course, but you have to look at the wider picture in a madly competitive Premier League of wash with cash. See, I spoke to a lifelong United fan at the weekend who I expected to crow over their season and he didn't and he said he's never been more bored watching his team and if it weren't for his dad, he'd consider giving up his season ticket. So I think it's fair to look at the wider picture, to look at teams like Spurs and City, teams that won nothing and be happy and confident for the future. Whilst acknowledging Pep wasn't a success in his debut season, because even though the pass, pass, pass of his team has actually bored some City fans, in burst, I still think we're watching some of the best football lives. And if you disagree, I <laughs> pretty much suspect that you will be watching some of it very soon anyway. Uh, I do feel a bit cold, nevertheless, of spending £300 million, because then it's like, well, you know, how difficult is it? But, oh, well, you yeah, know, let's be honest, I'll be excited if these if these uh, signings are made. But at the end you know, bit of perspective, especially in this city in the last week, it's not the end of the world, we've, we've been average, but I think, as Paul Paul said in the first review, we have to stop this, infer- I I put forward the problem, possibly we have an inferiority complex, we still think, not in the Premier League, not domestically, but we're not Barcelona and when we play and we're worried that we're going to get our asses kicked and I think that's what Pep will bring to this club in the end uh, and it will take money so you'll, uh, I think that Inferiority Complex, and it should have gone after we beat Barcelona, will be gone for good. Uh, so it's a 6 out of 10 season, but I think we're all expected and looking forward to a minimum 8 or 9 out of 10 next season. Uh, so I'd say that was it.
0: Excellent. <clears throat> Cheers, mate. I, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, Steve? I
1: try
2: to be optimistic.
0: No, no, uh, I, thought you were, I thought you were very balanced. Uh, Steve, do you want to go first? Yeah, I just
2: want to um, ask your thoughts on the full situation because, you know, you rightfully mentioned it. Uh, and you also mentioned later on as well that, you know, we couldn't expect Pep to sign a whole new team over the summer. But that was a real priority for us, wasn't it? And it was something yeah. that, you know, it was an open secret. The fans knew, the club knew. It was plainly obvious we needed to kind of upgrade on our full So what's your take on it, Howard? Why do you think we never brought in, a single fallback.
1: I, th- I don't know. Firstly, I think there's one thing. I think at least with Sane, I think we made a couple of signings. It was buy them now that we could put off for a year. Sane, Jesus, maybe mm. it was buy now or we ain't getting them because you know, like Munich are coming in. Yeah, uh, and maybe that distracted us. Maybe we spent. I mean, we do have a kitty. Let's not. Let's not pretend that we have infinite money. We do. We're running at a profit. We're self-sufficient, and I th- maybe it took money away. But even with that, yeah, I don't quite fully understand why. Maybe he thought chance, you know, give players a chance to experience there, and he didn't think the legs had gone. I mean, he's played with old defenders before. You know, you don't yeah. so, you don't suddenly become a decrepit old man when you reach thirty, but. Maybe it was more obvious to us fans, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know the reason. And I even say the same with Bravo. I'm not sure Hart was a was a first summer problem. It was a second summer problem. So by dealing with all no, that, it,
0: really, well, just because of the scale of things we had to do, that's Wait, the Mancini point. Mancini tried to get rid of him. Pellegrini tried to get rid of him. It was obviously an issue, do you know. What I no, mean?
1: but when you've got no, but when you're rebuilding a team, I would not say it's not an issue. I'm saying we will talk about the priorities. What what really needs dealing with? Well, it was the you start fullbacks first. at
0: the back, especially if you, yeah. if you if you play Guardiola's way, then you start at the back. So yeah.
1: And to be honest, I think I've heard that Hart maybe Hart just didn't give the right. I think he would have had a chance if he'd given off the right signals, I and mean, I don't think he did. To be honest, so
0: I don't think he'd smashing probably... up the, uh, I don't think smashing up the um, the TV screens at the Etihad when he found out that he wasn't in the squad for the first game of the season was a smart move. <laughs> Is that true? I believe so. I believe ah. that. Um, yeah, he literally smashed up one of the uh, one of the screens at the uh, you know those big TV screens that they have yeah. like, backstage at the Etihad backstage. You know, well,
2: they were good TVs too. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. but yeah, some of those up.
2: yeah.
1: No, but I just those fullback. I, I I only assume he thought. He thought they'd adapt. Yeah, he'd, he, decided he'd have tactical awareness. He'd put other players there, which he has done. But I think during the season, he's realised that we just don't have the players. But we ain't got got alarm. We can slip into midfield and reinvent. And these were players coming into the twilight of the career. And, and I think he'd probably say now that if he went back in time, we'd have bought someone last summer. Absolutely.
0: I think yeah. if you uh, I think if you both listen to the interview that I did with Marty Perrineau, which will be out on Monday, you will find an answer to the uh, question. Of fallbacks and what happened last summer. Right. Well, there's a segue. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Segue <laughs> you. I'm not saying way. anymore. Then, Plug I was your own interview. stupid. <laughs> it's getting very professional these
0: days, isn't it? <laughs> no, you know what? Actually, it's funny because a lot of what you said, it's it's complicated now because, like, part of me wants to go, yeah, but you know, I know this now and I know that now, and I'm like, no, I won't spoil it. The interview will come out on Monday, and then. A lot of the stuff that you've talked about, he at least touches upon it or or he addresses a lot of because obviously I asked him, do you know what I mean? Um, mm. and he was he was quite open in a lot of the answers that, that he gave. One thing, Howard. Yeah. I'm curious. Do you agree with what Damo said in the last review that there's no such thing as a transitional season? Uh no.
1: <laughs> that,
0: no, don't, I, I'm, uh, you can answer it in a it's, I,
1: a it's just a word, so I kind of see his point. Uh, you still got a great, yeah. You, know, you still play games. You still got a bunch of players. You look, can still win the game
0: Use the context yeah. in that you know the idea. I don't think we've that had, we've had any given underperformance because you're changing from one thing to another, and it takes a season to kind of make that change to turn the. The tanker around it takes a yeah.
1: season. No, in general, I I do think there are such things in football as transitional seasons, but I think your excuses were a bit thinner when you have the sort of budget we've got, would be my answer. So, yeah, it's... I mean, Davo said United have got a big, yeah, you know, from, from Van Hart to Mourinho, that's a bigger change in play, uh, playing style, but I still think there's huge changes in what Pep's asking the players compared to just coasting over the line under Pellegrini last season. You know, it's very different and there's a lot to take on board. And he didn't have any, didn't have the summer with them either. Mm -hmm. So, I think having the summer with players as well makes a big difference. And we had a qualifier, so he still didn't have any time. I don't think we are in Manchester for more than a couple of days on the road for the first month of the season. So, there are there's levels of transition, in there? And it's what what it's where you define a transitional season. I, th- I think they do exist in football, but you know, when you spend 150 million, I think you should be capable of uh, of juggling balls, spinning plates, and making your changes and, ad- you th- and and getting by. Basically,
0: do you think it's fair to reference the amount of money rather than the number of players that that are brought in? Because I feel as though I'm not having a go at you by the way I kind mm. of am but I'm not like I, I feel as though like it it kind of it puts it in a certain context when you use the money so when you say if you spend 200 million right you the context is just the money and it's like this idea that because yeah. you've spent that because you've spent such a volume of money the results should be instantaneous but actually like logically there's you know, we've, firstly, we've spent 200 million, but we brought in nine or 10 players, and not all of those players were for the first team. Some of them went out on loan straight yeah. away. Secondly, we are buying young players where we're not buying for tomorrow alone. We're not buying for today alone. We're buying for tomorrow as well. So in terms of the results that you'd expect to see, okay, if you spend 200 million on four 28 year old guys who have played Champions League football for the last decade absolutely I could understand why you could make that argument but this is what I mean about the money alone not being a fair I don't think it's a fair stick to beat the club with and I think the media do it a lot as well and believe me next season when our benches are, are, are coming out each week you'll you'll we'll hear a lot of that you know oh their benches worth 400 million or whatever it is but The point is, for me, is that you kind of have to look at the context a little bit when you talk about the number, like, especially a season like the season that's just gone, where, yeah, we spent £200 last summer, but we spent it on really super young players. And if you're spending it on super young players, then it's not, the the equation isn't ABC in that sense. It might take a little bit longer. I guess that's what I'm trying
1: to say. Yeah, that's a fair point. But also, when you have a huge budget, generally you buy better players and you expect the world class players to adapt quicker yeah that's a fair uh, point too which is you know different to buying yeah you know, when you've got a budget of 200 you can still bring in nine players but they're going to take you'd expect them to take longer to adapt if you bring in wholesale changes in the whole playing
2: style in the club you, yeah but you've tempered out the young so we don't expect everything. But, we don't expect well, that's Sane what we to be should be, be spending the, the money on you know the reason it is not just you know talent. Talent is is quite commonplace in football. You know the reason that you're spending so much money is because you're buying young players who should hit the ground running. And I'm, I'm not talking about immediately. You know it's going to take time to adapt for any player, regardless of age. But you're looking at a player like Sane, as as we saw. To be fair with Sane this season, you know, just uh, if you look at a season overall, fantastic. Um so that's what you're really looking at. You are spending that much money because you're getting not only, you know, young players who will grow and develop, but they're also at a standard where, you know, they'll be making an impact in the short term too.
1: Yeah, I mean Jesus is already in the national team and yeah. Sterling's been there for years, obviously. Mm. Uh, but I'm not sure just because a young player costs say thirty, forty million, doesn't mean he's the finished article, of course. You buy, you could be buying for what you think you'll be in two years, when it could be worth eighty million. And whereas I expect, yeah, these players to take on board stuff quickly. I'm not, I'm not for any moment. I expect Sade, Sterling, and Jesus to be better players in three years' time than they are right now, just because they'll be fully formed adults with experience and who have developed even further. So I don't expect the world from them. I think with youth, there is a, a few caveats. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the price we've paid, I still think you should be able to bring in these changes because so many of the games are winnable anyway.
2: Uh, I, I, I Sorry to interject but I think basically you're both right um, even though you're, you're contesting the same point, I think you're coming at it from a different perspective and you're both right um, I think it's entirely legitimate for City fans to bring up the money um, I think it's the context what differs, so when the media do they're taking a swipe aren't they, they're taking a dig they're coming at it from a negative angle uh, whereas with Blues, it's more, you know, objectionable.
0: Yeah. And I yeah. think also well, you made a very good point at, at the at the beginning that, you know, in a way, actually, that the important thing in terms of the context of the transfer fee is that you expect to pay more for younger players. And the point is that if you invest, if you invest 40 or 50 million pounds on a player, who's 20, 21, 22, and you expect to get the next five, six, seven years out of them. Look, if we'd have paid £50 million pounds for Yaya Toure in 2009 or 2010 and £50 million pounds for David Silver in 2009 and 2010, we'd be sat here right now going, they were absolute bargains and value for money. Uh-huh. So, mm. the, so within the context of that, I feel as though sometimes we get, and I'm really conscious of it this summer because it looks like we're going to spend a lot of money, Um It feels as though there's this kind of clamour to go, ah, but you spent all that money, so it's got to be now. And it's like, well, no, it doesn't have to be now. We can have a season like the 9-10 or the 10-11 season to have the 11-12 season and have the Aguero moment. And We're going through that process again right now in terms of rebuilding the squad and signing younger players. And it feels, and I'm not trying to say that this season was or wasn't transitional, I'll save my review for saying what I think but just in general I feel as though we're again in terms of the business that we're doing we're on the right path and the right curve because I feel as though these players that we buy we won't be buying again for five six seven years because these young players that we're buying are going to stay for that long and they seem to be of the quality that we need so yeah so for me it's that that context that's really important this idea that if you spend, but you spend it on young players and you expect them to be there for five, six years, it's not ridiculous, basically. Yeah. Not-
1: Can I ask you two a question, sir? Hmm? I, st- I stumbled across, well, through it near the end. It's, I've never had this feeling before, but do you, do you have any concerns if we went and outspent everyone two to one and spent £300 million this summer? Does it matter to you at all? And it's all amortised and within our revenue and blah, 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 does it matter to you? Or do you, were you expecting, I don't know why, it just sit slightly uncomfortably with me for the first time. Uh, the I know everyone's going to be spending long. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, I'll just stumble to the end of this sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not explaining it very well, never first, it and, I know. I've never never, bothered me before, and we're now spending our own money anyway, so it doesn't, It's as if like, well, we're doing what United have done anyway and they'll probably spend at least 200 million this summer. But, and then I had another conflicting thought, well, hang on, all the best managers in the world have world-class teams anyway. So they've not had to prove themselves with little teams, have they? So why am I sat here wanting Guardiola to do it without buying anyone? So I feel a bit conflicted. So, yeah, Stephen, if you... Does it bother you in the slightest or should we just get these players in, get this world-class team and we've earned the money now? do not matter.
2: Very much the latter for me, but I understand exactly where you're coming from. Um, I remember a number of years ago, I was watching, uh, it might well have been Liverpool v City, but I was watching a game anyway with a Liverpool mate and the rumours go around that that City were in for Torres, when Torres was phenomenal. And my Liverpool mate said, if you get Torres... I'm never going to Anfield again. I'm never going to watch a football game again. I'm done with football. And I got it straight away. And I, you know, I did not want us to get Torres for that reason. I just thought it's cheating. You know, it is financial doping, that is. He's a phenomenal player. We're getting him from a direct rival. We'll spend God knows how much money on him. You know, it's it just felt would have felt like cheating. I'd feel exactly the same way about Messi if if we went out and spent God knows how much online or Messi then what can we achieve then? You know, we'd, we'd win the league, we'd win, you know, Champions League or whatever, it would feel great. But then you, you bought Messi, you know? It'd it feel like kind of like you're cheating. Whereas what we're doing, spending 300 million, you know, basically hugely upgrading and overhauling a, a, a squad in great need of it, no problem with that. No problem at all, because that's what all the other big clubs have always done. So, yeah, it yeah. might sound contradictory, but, you know, if you go after a certain player and spend God knows how much, just doesn't feel right to me sometimes. But if you're spending, you know, £40 million on a new great young keeper, that's fine. I have no problem with that whatsoever.
1: Hey, Sam, I think I know your answer anyway.
0: um yeah, I mean, you know that the blunt answer would be I could give less of a fuck. Yes.
2: exactly <laughs> hey, hey, how, how did you feel about what I said then? Did you kind of relate to any of that or literally do you just see it as let's just go out and, and spend well, I'm it? Gonna
0: t- I'm going to tell you both the truth. 24 hours ago, I had exactly the same thought. So I was kind <laughs> of sat around and I was going, hmm, if we get all of these players, this feels, why am I not like, basically, why am I not going, oh my God, this is amazing. Cheat mode on Football
1: Manager. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there was a moment where I sort of went, yeah, but, you know, it feels a little bit like taking flat-track bullying to a new level in terms of just buying a team that is so good that everything around you, you can flat-track it. Um, But it was interesting that this pretty much came out of my interview with is um, He completely made me look at it differently. He just sort of went, and it, it's such a good point that I'm going to make it now. He said, look, the last two teams to win the Premier League played no European football. And when was the last time that an English team won the Premier League and did well in the Champions League? Uh, and I was like, yeah, okay, those are fair, fair points. And he said, the reality is that... If you look at Bayern Munich or you look at Real Madrid, they are two teams who consistently over the last sort of five years have mounted title challenges in their leagues and also done well in the Champions League. Their squads are ridiculous, you know. That's two world-class players per position. Every summer it feels like they're going to sell a player because they need to because they're top heavy. But that's how they compete in two demanding tournaments over the course of a whole season. If the owners want to have the ambitions that they have, we have to have a squad like that. Otherwise, Doon needs to stop saying we expect to win every tournament that we enter every season. It's not realistic. The only way it's realistic that you do that is if you've got, look at the competition in the Premier League. How do you, most people are currently saying that there is no way, that any of those top six teams will be guaranteed to finish in the top four next season because because the, the standards are very similar and the competition is very hard and very fierce. If Abu Dhabi want to be a team that mounts a title challenge every season, then the first thing you need to do is elevate yourself from a footballing perspective from the pack around you. And the only way you can do that is by having a much better, much stronger squad and that's what we're about to do. So, absolutely, twenty four hours ago, I was there. I was with you. I was kind of going. This feels a bit weird. But then, mm. that context—the context of take a step back and go, what are, what are we trying to be? It goes back to what Damo said about you know you can't you can't run slower than the opposition and expect to win a race. And our opposition is Bayern Munich and Barcelona and Real Madrid if we want to be those clubs and we want to be a super club we have to begin to win titles and champions leagues and mount those challenges every year and again a great example from from now that wasn't in that won't be in the interview but we talked about mbappe and he was like look if you're mbappe and you've got a choice between manchester city and real madrid as much as manchester city can say we've got pep guardiola we've got this project and we've got all of these things real madrid will just say champions league final last two years won the title this year lost it by two points last year these you know that's that's what it means to be to be a really big club it means that you're at that level and to do that you need those players
1: Mm. on the flip side i we should get £100 million in I just hope we don't mess about with all the players we don't want who are on loan I hope we don't get robbed don't agree loan deals paying half wages and just get rid of them and that should pay for the first three signings anyway I think there's so good. so many out there I mean Hart Nasri Mangala just I mean how many more I mean already Unes has gone Iheanacho might go so there's a good £90 million there. Yeah. And I hope we're we're not got all these players swimming around the system still, having signed six players. We need it tighter. I think that's what would make me happier. A real tight squad. Fine getting these top five players, but I don't want everyone who's not there needs to be sold. End of story. What Players you don't want, go. I don't need players just swimming around for four years. Then the the cut price deals where we, you know, Chelsea sell cast-offs to China for fifty million, and you know, United, United, ex-United players go for fifteen million. You know that bog standard. We need to start getting tougher on the selling side. So I think that that would would make me that would make me feel a lot better. And say to you know, if you want Mangalia, that's how much it costs. Either pay it or go away and stop bothering us. So yeah. uh, but yeah, I think I feel better if we get rid. I say it's deadwood's the wrong word to be honest. It's not very fair. But you know, just everyone who's not going to be involved should. Uh, we need a much tighter squad. I think.
0: Okay, I, I can, I can, I can see completely where you where you come from. There, I think we'll do well this summer. I, I think you'll be surprised at the, or maybe you won't. But uh, for example, Stefan will, for example, be surprised at the amount of money that we raise. Once, yeah. the, uh, Once the window closes, because I think you get more than a hundred billion.
1: Is that insider knowledge?
0: No. no, 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 no. I just just I, doing the sums. Yeah, yeah. just doing just doing the maths. I think that that. Um, I think this summer, for example, I, I read just very in the last hour, I've read that Newcastle have definitely, definitely won Mangala. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's a twenty-five million pound transfer, and for Newcastle, that's not a big deal. Like that's But it's how, not though. That's what it costs to there's no
1: way they're paying out
0: though is it why that's what it I costs. just come on I mean you've got to be remove your it's city so I'm going to think the worst head and just think rationally and logically look at his age look at his profile look at other players of a similar age and a similar profile and look at what they go for Watford are quoting 35 million for Troy didn't he? <laughs>
1: Yeah, but they're not getting it. (laughs)
0: You know what? Somebody will pay 30. You wait and see. Somebody will pay pay 30 million. This is what I'm saying, that there's in terms of bringing money in for players, there's a marketplace this summer that I think City will...
1: Well, sorry, I've even heard, sorry to put in, I've even heard Fernando to Newcastle for like 10 or 12. Yeah. And you remember Moy. Well, just uh, Unes and Moy who've never played for us, we should, between them, get... 25 million, shouldn't we?
0: Absolutely. And also, that's one thing about the kind of what you were saying about loaning players out. Yeah. That's where it becomes valuable. That, you know. Yeah. The, this the is academy, the first. Yeah, The academy is, is a business in and of itself when it's not producing players for the first team because you get somebody like Unas where you bring him in and he's selling and what? We bought him for what did we buy him for? Less than a million and he's going for he's gone for yeah. 40. E.
1: So. No, but it's more, it's more the likes of Nasri and the Heart and yeah, those, yeah, no, the experienced players that swim around the system. No? But
0: we've we had a problem in that that group of players were brought in on wages that were yeah. too big, right? But now they're not. So, and that's not the way that we work anymore. Nah. So, you know, for example, Bernardo Silva is he, like he's not going to be earning like hundred and fifty grand a week. Like, that's that's not how we roll anymore. He's he's a young player. He's only 22 years old. Like, he's got to... What City are doing, which I think is quite smart, is that they're very much... They have this kind of thing of, like, that Gabby Jesus is not going to be earning more than 100 grand a week. No way. He's going to yeah. be on, like, you know, 60, 70, 80 grand a week, max. Which... We're,
1: we're fourth, aren't we, in the wage bill, so... Yeah. Which might surprise some people, so...
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, listen, I'm going to wrap this up because again, yeah. it's only meant to be 20 minutes. 40 <laughs> minutes. Amazing. Um Steve, did you want to ask Howard anything else before I wrap it up? I'm sorry. No, no, no. Okay. wicked in that case. Uh Howard, that was a lovely review. Thank you very much. Yeah. PowerPoint. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks, nice one. Uh to everybody who listened, nice one for listening to this review. Um we'll be back tomorrow with a Steve. You're going to do your review tomorrow, is that correct? Yeah, pretty much exactly the same as (laughs) Howard's. That's a joke. No, it's not. (laughs) Um, You you can talk about your tooth abscess then for five minutes. uh, (laughs) That will certainly cheer people up. Yeah, Uh, listen. No, to everybody who listened, um, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Um, Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. See you.